There was a, a guy who was attacked with a machete right outside the church building. And, and I happened to be there. And although people were saying to me, oh, that mustn't have been not very nice experience. I remember saying, yeah, but I'm so grateful that God put me there at that moment because it made it so much easier to be there. And again, getting messages from people saying, oh, you know, thank you for what you did today. And I remember thinking, but I didn't really do anything apart from be there. But actually that's, that's what we're asked to do. You know, I'm never going to claim that, you know, I come up with these amazing words of wisdom or anything like that. But it's, it's God putting you in places. And I was so convinced after that incident that God had made me walk out of the church at that precise moment. If I'd been a minute later, it would have all passed me by. I would have heard about it. I would have still gone round, but it wasn't quite the same as being there in the moment. But things happen in all communities. And I'm very grateful that when things have happened, I've often been given the opportunity just to just to be there and actually even if all you're doing is showing God's love you know that's what we're called to do. Welcome back, you wonderful listeners to Emerging Emmaus where we are journeying, traveling on an adventure with Jesus just like those folks did on that road to Emmaus. They met Jesus when they were in a place of loss, confusion, not sure what's going on really, uh, and went and landed in a place of new life, having had that encounter with Jesus. And isn't it amazing how we hear that story all across our land in so many different ways now, and especially in this beautiful church that we are connected with, that we are part of and that we get to be in. And on this episode, we have a super story to listen to and to find out about with Barry Hughes. Now, Barry is the minister in Ratloch in Stirling, uh, but Barry has many different hats. Um, and I'm really looking forward to finding out a little bit more about what those hats are and what's under them. Are you, Neil? Because you're with me as well. Yes, I am really looking forward to hearing from Baz about uh, what's been happening uh, in St. Mark's and Raplock and the area there. And, and, and I'm always intrigued as to what he's up to because he's a cyclist, he's a runner, he's a scout. He's, he's got quite a few hats and uh, he connects really well with people. So, yes, I'm wrapped. I'm looking forward to this. So let's find out what is under the hats of Barry Hughes and Raplock then. Barry, I am saying that you have lots of many hats, but first and foremost, you are a wonderful human being. And we just want to thank you for coming on Emerging Emmaus. It's great to have you with us, Barry. Thank you, Ruth. And thank you, Neil. It's, uh, it's great to be with you both. So let's begin with one of those hats, the Reverend hat then. Um, you are coming to the end. You've just finished your first five years of your first charge and your first church as a minister. Um, but when you started this journey into ministry, um, it, I don't know if you would say that where you've ended up is where you thought you were going to end up, is it? Yeah, not, not remotely. It was, uh, it's been quite a journey, uh, Ruth. So, so I worked for many years, 25 years, I think in total, 25, 26 years in, in the corporate world, in, in the financial services world in Edinburgh. It's, well, it's it's a it's a big world, but it's it's like a village in many ways. And I worked for two or three different companies, but during that time, I always had a sense, especially 
maybe once I'd been doing it about 15 years or so, I had a sense that you know I could end up doing something else. For many years, actually, I had no church involvement at all, I have to be honest, uh, until our children were born, what, just 20 years ago or, or around that time. Uh, we were living in Edinburgh, wanted to get the kids baptised, went on an alpha course. That was with Jerry Middleton at um, Davidson's Mains about 2003, 2004, something like that. And then we moved to the borders. Uh, we wanted to relocate, different lifestyle, kids were young, moved down to Peebles, which was absolutely great, and started to worship at the church there at St Andrew's Leckie Parish. Uh, and I can still remember, actually, the, the, the minister there, Jim Wallace, I'd never talked to him about whether I felt, felt I had any calling or whatever. And there was one morning, and this was typical Jim in many ways, Jim just caught me after the service and said, oh, next week I'm awake, you fancy doing the evening service? And I said, sorry. Yeah, I don't think at this point I'd even stood up and read a lesson or anything in, in church. And, and then um, and I did that and led the evening service. And after that, Jim spoke to me and said, you know, have you ever thought of exploring call to ministry or something? And again, this was all a little bit left field. He said, well, there's an inquirer's conference in a few weeks. And so, so... I went along and I was thinking, I'm a busy guy, I'm working full time, I'm traveling the country with my job, which I was every week. And I thought, I'll, I'll look at readership, that's going to be the, the easiest, you know. I quite enjoyed leading that evening service. I thought, readers get to do that, you have to stand up and say a few words on a Sunday. And I went on the Inquirer's course, as it was called then, um, Inquirer's conference, I should say. Then did a period of inquiry at the old parish church in Peebles. And Callum McDougall, who was the other minister in Peebles at that point, really persuaded me. He said, if you're going to become a reader, you might as well become a, it was called auxiliary then, auxiliary minister, because you can do the sacraments then. And so I said, yeah, and was accepted as a, as a candidate, went along to the old selection conference, you know, um, the weekend away. Um, but still thinking, I'm not quite sure what I've let myself in for here, because, you know, I'm working full time and so on. Trained for auxiliary. Funnily enough, in my last year of training, it changed to OLM, Ordained Local Ministry. And I always remember Fiona Tweedy and I, many people will know Fiona, were in a bit of a race to become the first OLM. Um, and sadly, I lost and came in as the, sec the second ever OLM. But even then, and I remember again, Callum McDougall saying to me, you know, you might be an OLM, but you, you, you know, if God wants to get you into full-time parish ministry, you will do. And I, you know, I, I suppose I, I always felt there was the tap on the shoulder. You know, God was saying, right, I've got you into this. I, and I felt I was used well as an OLM. I did a lot of work, especially with schools. My employer were fantastic. They gave me flexible working so I could do school assemblies, things like that. It was great. But there was still always that feeling that, yeah, God wants you to do a bit more. And I always say the final piece of the jigsaw in a strange way was 2013. And I joined TSB which was the, it came back to the High Street News. So I was seconded and part of the team that brought TSB back to the High Street. And I ended up in the TSB head office, which is 120 George Street, which is directly over the road from 121 George Street. And I was sitting in a, a room right at the front, looking out on 121 George Street. And I remember thinking, God, you're, you're having a laugh here. This is, you know, you, you're, sort of, you're sort of dangling this in front of me. And yeah. I knew, as you often do, that you know, my time in corporate world was coming to an end and moving into full-time parish ministry just seemed, from, from being something which was so distant, suddenly became the obvious next step. 
and so 2015 I left the bank and went back to uni and uh, and yeah here I am in Rockwell uh, several years on so <laughs> Wow. So, it, I mean, it has been a, a big change, but actually listening to you tell that story, God's taken you one manageable step at a time. And that's it's just really encouraging and, and good to learn about faith as well. When God's moving us and calling us into new things and, you know, we're seeing that release of new life that's going on in us to know that actually God takes us at, this, at, at steps that, yeah, with him, we can manage on our own. We feel as though we can't manage, but but it's nothing that's um, that's wrong. It's all right. It's, it's it's those steps that he takes us on. And I'm wondering, you know, now that you are in St. Mark's at Raplock, you're also in 121 in George Street as an assembly trustee. But we'll come to that just in a wee bit. I'm just curious when we're talking, when you're now in Raplock uh, in Sterling, have you seen that those same steps from God? Has he taken you on similar steps as he took you in that journey with ministry? I, I think so. And even even just going one step back, if you like, Ruth, even getting to Rapalock, because even when I started my probationary year, I was probably then still thinking, you, you start to think about what type of parish you're going to end up in. And I still wasn't thinking at that point, priority area. Yeah, I wasn't thinking Rapalock. But I ended up on probation with Cammie McKenzie in Gilmerton in Edinburgh. It's not technically priority area parish, but yeah, very, very similar. And I realised probably about again halfway through that year that I was felt so obviously being called to a priority area type of parish. So again, it was one step at a time. I think that's a great analogy you've just used there. If I look back just over five years, a lot has changed in Raplock and in St. Mark's during that time, which has been great. But I suppose a lot of it's been incremental change. When I came, I was very blessed to have a, a full-time deacon, Jean Porter, who retired last year. So that eased my path into ministry and into Raplock because she was so well known. You know, that was a real blessing. But then likewise, when Jean retired, I now have a, a new, very new community engagement worker so it feels like if I look back, I think, wow, a lot of cha- love has changed in five years. But yeah, it's, I think the analogy you use, Ruth, is right. It's always been a change here and a change there and a step forward. And of course, sometimes a step back, as we all know in ministry, not every step is always forward. Sometimes it's sideways or back. But uh, I look back and I think, wow, yeah, an awful lot's happened in five years. So how about you tell us a little bit more about those steps that you've seen those step changes, uh, whether forward or back, you know, can you maybe give us a little bit of detail about even one or two of them that you've seen in these five years? I, th- I think probably one of the big things has been the the level of engagement from the community with the church. One of the things we are so blessed with in Raplock, and one of the reasons I really felt called there, is actually where the church is. And that you know, is a big thing within a community, is the physical location of the church. We are absolutely slap bang in the middle of the community. I always, I always say, if we knocked down the Raplock tomorrow and rebuilt it, I wouldn't move the church an inch. We'd have it exactly where it is. But, but there was always a sense when I came in of thinking an awful lot of people saying, "Well, this is our church," but who never set foot in it, which I think is quite common in our communities. And when I look at how well used the building is now and I, and I absolutely do not mean just on Sunday morning I can talk separately about Sunday morning and so on um, but when I look at the level of engagement 
from the community to the building now that's been a big change but again i can't think of any one thing that any one of us has done which has suddenly changed it i think it's been a gradual thing and one thing i know i will talk about is scouts for example and launching the beaver group not long after i came with eight beavers and then cubs launching after that and then scouts to the extent that on a tuesday night now we'll be back next tuesday starting again the new term i will have around 60 kids in the building across beavers cubs and scouts in the vast majority probably you know maybe there's, there's a handful who don't don't stay in Raplock, which is fine but the vast majority of those are Raplock kids and just seeing the building alive whatever whatever it is that people are coming in for i think is just wonderful um so that has been something which has changed i think hugely during the last five years that sounds amazing just in terms of the number of kids you've got coming in and it's really church without walls isn't it when you think about beavers and scouts it's a lot of it is that heart of adventure and exploration and you know kind of almost getting out of buildings and such like isn't it and it, but also your own personal comfort zone and I know you know I, I think the beavers and scouts have been connected to a little bit with churches but sometimes not and I think it's really fascinating to hear you say that actually this has been a real area of growth that God has blessed and that you've been involved in pioneering and starting and it is it's it's kind of not aimed at funneling into a Sunday morning it's actually seen as something in the community and serving the community in that sense it's quite different in that way isn't it it is very much and in my capacity as scout leader, I have to be careful. Scouts is a secular organisation, so I'm very careful that I don't use my church email address, obviously, for scout stuff, even to the extent that when the kids come in the school, they say, hello, Rev Barry. And if they try to call me Rev Barry at scouts, I say, no, 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 I'm, I'm Barry over here. But it's it's undoubtedly a big part of my ministry. I think I'm right in saying that every family that now comes to church on a Sunday, there is a connection from at least one or more of the children to be this Cubs and Scouts. So, yeah, that's not a coincidence. The, what I would say it is scout, scouting helps my ministry and ministry helps my scouting, if that makes sense. They, they complement each other very, very well. And I've always felt, and I felt this as an OLM in Peebles as well, where I was involved with the primary school, that I think it's great for a minister to not just to be the minister, if that makes sense. You know, you can be involved in so many, pe people can also see you as a human being. Um, so I, I think it's quite good that I'm, I'm not just Barry Hughes, the minister. I might be Barry Hughes, the whatever else in the community as well. Yeah, so it sounds like, you know, the way that um, you have been making these small steps and God's been stepping you forward has been really ingrained into the community. But it sounds like you've got a team there that's, following in the same kind of way it's almost like that culture that you've got set in the church is is one that's really ingrained in the community and you know Neil you've been quite a few decades into ministry in Irvine and I'm, I'm wondering you know are you seeing similarities you know with what Barry's talking about with yourself or you know what's your thoughts with what Barry's saying so far? Yes I, I think that openness and warmth that Barry's describing is so important and so that means that when Barry's out and about and 
your people that you're growing there at Ratlock are out and about. There, there is that warmth, there is that openness to people, there's that connection. And th that's certainly been the case here. We at Fulham Connections see the building very much as a thoroughfare. You know, we've got 1,600 of a footfall now. Uh, some of them, pe those people are come, coming regularly in the week. But, you know, we wondered, we were pushed right to the periphery of our our, our, our parish, unlike Barry's right in the centre. We are pushed to the periphery. But what we found is that when you build stuff and you do stuff that, that people are interested in and want to be involved in, people come. And and that's been happening, and and it is all about relationships, the the type of relationships that that Barry and company are growing, and those loving, caring relationships give the opportunity for people to explore faith. The, 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 the folk are intrigued, folk are interested to find out more. What makes Barry tick? What makes these people tick? And that in turn helps people to explore faith. I think so. Yes, and one of the things that that I notice, you know, when Barry's sharing with us on the Minister's Forum is is that from time to time there are things that happen in the parish that, that are very disturbing and difficult to, to handle, but, you know, Barry and company are aware of them and are alongside them. And I'm, I'm interested, Barry, you know, about that dimension, that being in touch with, you know, the people and what's happening in the community. How has that you know, how has that evolved and grown and, and, and what, what's that leading to? It, it's actually very timely that you should say that, uh, Neil. We've actually had a, we've had a death in the parish in the last few days from, from a, a drugs-related drugs death. A woman who I'd got to know quite well. And again, this is, everything you say about relationships is, is so true. Uh, not long after I came to the parish, this, this woman, um, her brother, was killed in a car accident. Uh, so the family had been touched by tragedy. I, I did the funeral, got to know the family really very well, including this particular sister, who I knew had challenges, I knew had, had troubles. Funnily enough, I was never in her house. She was never in the church. We had goodness knows how many conversations in the street or, or in Bella's, which is where I have my morning cup of coffee, which is, you know, I joke about Bella's, but it's such a, it's such a great place for me to sit every morning and chat to folk. And then when um, this lady um, fell ill last weekend, uh, incredibly grateful that her, that her other sister messaged me immediately, said she's not well, she's at the hospital, uh, we'd quite like you to come along. And went along and very sadly was there when the, the machine was turned off, which is an experience I'll have to be honest I haven't had before. But I felt God had prepared me for it hugely. I'll be honest, it struck me so much talking to this woman's three daughters, one of whom I knew, the, oh, sorry, two daughters and a son. And they were saying, you know, she used to talk about the fact that you would stop and chat to her and other people wouldn't and things like this. And it's when you realise that, you know, wow, you can be brought here for things which might not always seem like a big deal to you at the time, but, you know, but, 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 you know, but certainly are. Uh, and I'm very grateful that, you know, I've been, allowed to be you know a, a part of her life and a, especially a part of the at the end of her life we had another one back in august um where there was a, a guy who was attacked with a machete right outside the church building and, and i happened to be there he came running along i didn't quite see the attack he came running along it was about 50 yards down the road covered in blood i'd been chatting to him that morning 
whole crowd of people appeared and to, took him back and I, I rang the ambulance and the police and all that sort of thing and basically hung around pretty much most of the rest of the day and although people were saying to me oh that mustn't have been not very nice experience I remember saying yeah but I'm so grateful that God put me there at that moment because it made it so much easier to be there and again getting messages from people saying oh you know thank you for what you did today and I remember thinking but I didn't really do anything apart from be there but actually that's that's what we're asked to do you know I'm, not, I'm never going to claim that you know I come up with these amazing words of wisdom or anything like that but it's it's God putting you in, in places and I was so convinced after that incident that machete incident that God had made me walk out of the church at that precise moment if I'd been a minute later it would have all passed me by. I would have heard about it. I would have still gone round, but it wasn't quite the same as being there in the moment. Now, I should stress, we just talked about two, you know, not very savoury incidents, if you like, within the wrap up. It is the most wonderful community. It has plenty of challenges. It is not, it's not somewhere I've ever felt remotely unsafe walking the streets, you know, even, even at all. But things happen in all communities. I'm very grateful that when things have happened, I've often been given the opportunity just to just to be there and actually even if all you're doing is showing God's love you know that's what we're called to do so yeah that's that would say one of those is very very topical Neil just literally within the last few days well, that's that's it's really interesting to hear and, and I'm, I'm intrigued as well to hear about that life that you have in God Barry because to be able to respond to God's promptings requires a closeness with God, uh, and and I know that's quite hard in in parish ministry when we're very very busy. Can you tell us about your walk with God and what encourages and enhances that sensitivity that you're you're talking about? Yeah, well, that's quite a that's that's quite a question. I think what I find that wherever you are in parish ministry, you are incredibly busy. And it often seems to me, I suppose, almost ironic that parish ministers are sometimes probably the people who tend not to prioritise their time with God. Or they might say, well, yes, I'll, I'll have some quiet time. I'll, I'll do such and such. And then life ministry gets in the way. And, and I'm, I'm not very good at it. I have to be honest. I'm not very good at setting a bit of time, you know, where I'm going to have some contemplative time. I'm going to I'm going to sit and pray. I'm going to. Do a bit of Bible study, whatever, just to try and discern, you know, God's will for for me and for the parish. But I find that it so often happens through through circumstance, rather than through you know sort of quiet reflection and trying to trying to discern, you know, what God wants me to do. Uh, I'm not very good at sitting still and doing nothing anyway. I have to be honest; it's just not something I'm very good at. So I find Neil that. It is so often circumstance that something happens and I'll maybe then sit and think, yeah, that's what God wanted me to do. God wanted to be there at that point. God wanted me to, to do X, Y, Z. So it's sometimes almost slightly playing catch up, if that makes sense. You know, there's the old phrase, Jim Wallace, when I was in Peebles, always used to say, you know, find out what God's doing and join in. I sometimes think I'm probably more joining something and then find out that that's what God wanted me to do, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm an activist as well, very much an activist. And it's a spiritual pathway. Uh, and, and that's what you're describing, I think. You do connect with God and God connects with you through your activism. 
And but we all, you're also saying is that contemplation is important or reflection is important. And for me, a journaling, you know, because it's something you do is a helpful means for me to to process things and just slow down to be able to reflect and think, well, what happened there? What's happening in me? What's happening through me? Within that reflection as well, there's that gratitude, isn't there? There's that actually, God, you were right here and we're thankful. And quite often when we have that gratitude and heart of thankfulness, it keeps us so close to God. And that can really foster that close walk that we're hearing about from you, Barry. But I think what I'm finding fascinating is that we're hearing about that close walk that you've got with God that I really love that you were just honest with us and saying, oh, actually... I find it tricky because it can be you're you know I think we can all relate to that and what we are hearing is that close walk that you've got there with God however that looks like for you we see that in your ministry and we're seeing it in your life as a as a person as well and that you walk with people at really gritty hard times in the simplest of things and I think that's such an encouraging message from you you know that you're seeing these I want to say journeys of, but it's not, it's life because life is up and down. Life is gritty and hard and loss is part of it and rejoicing is part of it. And God's got you in a place where you're sharing that alongside people with the simple things like talking to her when nobody else would or, you know, being there at the right place at the right time, uh, just to actually be there you know these are such simple things that we can we can all do and we can all aim for and knowing that actually that has a big impact on the communities that we're in so what I'm wondering Barry is you know those simple things that you find that you do whether you talk to people when they wouldn't or you're you know you're actually just being there with that approach that is really simple I mean, do you take that into your role in the wider church as well as an assembly of trustee or is it step by step in the assembly of trustee, you know, kind of hat that you have as well? Or is it something entirely different? Because I'd love to hear from your perspective um, as an assembly trustee about the change, that journey that church is on. You know, we've heard and thought about yourself and Raplock and individual lives. What about what about the journey that the wider church is on as well? Yeah, it's, it's it's probably different in many ways, I would say. It, I mean, for a start, I did not set out to become an assembly trustee in the same way as I probably never set out to become a parish minister. What I do remember, funnily enough, was after the assembly trustees started and we had the first, you know, the first group of assembly trustees, I probably wasn't the only one who sort of looked at it. And I remember being at the assembly 2018, 19, whatever year it was, when all the changes were agreed. And thinking, yeah, this is definitely the way to go. Didn't have a problem with that. And I remember looking at the first lot of assembly trustees, and no disrespect to any of those people, and thinking, it's a wee bit same old, same old, you know. And I wasn't the only one that thought that. And I remember I actually wrote and wrote to John Chalmers, who was the the first convener, and I said that, you know, trying to pick my words very carefully. Uh, and I'll be honest, I looked at it and I thought, I don't see anybody, whether parish minister or individual from from somewhere like like Rapplock or you know. Uh, Irvin Fullerton Connections, you know, the sort of parishes that, you know, obviously were engaged in in priority areas. And John wrote back to me, you know, very nicely and so on. Anyway, then I think it was about 18 months later, Gillian Patterson, who I think is wonderful as Minister in Methyl, messaged me slightly out of the blue and said, um, can I nominate you for the next round of Assembly Trustees? And I was like, really? And, and she did. And I had an interview, including with John, 
And slightly to my surprise, we would got, then got an email saying, yeah, we would like you to become an assembly trustee. And actually it was wonderful because out of the three new assembly trustees that year, two of us were priority area ministers because it was David Cameron from uh, Kilmarnock. Having said that, I've tried to make it so that I, I'm not just there just to be the, the token priority area minister, you know, and I'll be honest, I went into it thinking, I'm not quite sure I'm the right person to do this. You know, okay, I had many years in the corporate world. I've been trustee of a few charities, but you're surrounded by, surrounded by some pretty big wigs, you know, both from within the church and from the world at large. But I have to be honest, I have, I have really enjoyed it. And I've actually been asked to stay on for another three years, which I've agreed to do, obviously subject to the assembly approving that. I actually find I'm certainly not one of the people who will sit there and comment on absolutely every single issue because our meetings, you know, it's like being the, on the board of directors of a large company in terms of the breadth of things that we are asked to look at. And, and I will try to think, you know, what, what, where's my expertise here? What are the things I can really contribute to? The, the thing I have always felt that I, I suppose that, that, that God has always said to me is that I think he's tended to give me a, the, the gift of encouragement over the years, trying to encourage others. And I tried to do that within the, the, the sort of the, the central church context. It is very easy in any organization, including the church, when you're in the parish, you're, you're sort of, you know, in the provinces to become quite cynical about the center. You know, we, we all do it. I've done it in many organizations. And it's been a real privilege to really actually properly get to know the folk. Some absolutely amazing people, you know, who would, they work heart and soul, not just for the Church of Scotland, but for the Church in Scotland. You know, and we're at a tough time in the church. We've had made a lot of tough decisions as, as politicians love saying, you know, we can make the tough decisions and the decisions aren't always right. But when I see the people who are trying so hard to make everything work, yeah, I think there's a big role for us in Assembly Trustees to to back them, you know, and to encourage them. And I see people like David Cameron, mm -hmm. who's the convener of the Trustees now, has got, again, such such a heart for the gospel, such a heart for the church in Scotland, of Scotland. And I, I suppose I just want to be there to, you know, to try and support um, wherever I can. And I'll be honest, yes, to give a wee voice to the Ratlock as well, you know, and, and I'm certainly not above doing that and just reminding folk that... Uh, there's plenty of churches out there that aren't awash with money, which are just trying so hard to do the, the work of Christ every single day. And what words of hope are there that are emerging from the trustees, do you think? You know, because hope's so important. Well, I mean, it's it, it, it's difficult to, it, it's, it's often difficult to quantify, uh, Neil, at the moment, because it seems in a way as if we're almost in the perfect storm, because when you're in the, when you're in the process of, sadly closing church buildings and by the way i always try to say we're closing church buildings not closing churches because there's a big difference you know i think but i think that what's against us to a certain extent is the sort of you know yeah. the press the narrative you know, which is always going to be this is always going to be negative but equally i see so many positive signs you know i sometimes think with one thing We've got a great comms team, but I just don't think we're great sometimes at picking up on even the small stories, the small successes that are happening. Um, I sometimes think there's a lot more that we can be doing, you know, just to to get to get the good stories out there. And for me, the you know the good stories are not necessarily always about we've welcomed X number of new members in such and such a church. But look at this community initiative, which simply would not be happening 
without the presence of the local church of Scotland, whether that's because we have the building or because we have the people, you know, this Wednesday in Rapla, we've got a new after school club starting and this is something the community desperately needs. And this is a joint initiative between St. Mark's Church and Rapla Primary School. Neither one of us could do it on our own. You know, so if the two of us hadn't got our heads together in partnership, and that is my big buzzword in ministry, partnership, if we hadn't got our heads together in partnership, it would not be happening. And you know, it starts for one hour a week this Wednesday, but of course our aim is to, to grow it. So that's the sort of thing that excites me about the future of the church. I think that, that sounds brilliant. You know, Neil started that question with about hope, but actually, you know, what I've heard from you, the, that word of encouragement and word of hope from your hat of Assembly Trustees is one that there are good stories all over the place. You know, that's what I've heard from you say, you know, there are all these good, encouraging stories about partnerships, about community initiatives, about churches growing spiritually, numerically, but actually more so than that, actually having that presence and again, it goes back to, you know, what we can see in what you were talking about for yourself, being, having that presence, that being in the community yourself. We see that replicated in the church and, and what we're hearing from you as well is actually there are lots of churches who are being in their community and being, you know, the gospel, being the good news. And that is such an, a story of hope and such a story of encouragement. Um, so I'm really thankful to you, Barry, for, for that. I'm going to I'm gonna come to you, Neil. I'm going to ask you, you know, we've heard loads of really good things there from Barry. What, what's your takeaway from today? What, what's your snapshot title? I'm especially struck by the uh, availability, I think. You know, act, Barry's talked about being active and he is an activist. Um, and I think the word that's coming through for me is, is he's available. He's available to God. He's, he's open to God's grace, guidance, goodness, and, and guiding. And, and that's encouragement to me. Come on, Neil, be available to me, says God. Oh, that's good. I like that. Be be available. Always open. <laughs> Always open to God. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I, I th for me, what I've one of my kind of the main takeaway that I've, I've got today is about those steps and just that absolute encouragement to keep stepping, keep stepping, um, you know, wherever, wherever God's got you, even when you're not sure of what the next step is before you take it, take the step because God's there and he's gone before you. That That's one of the things I've, I've heard from, from you, Barry, today. So thank you so much for coming and sharing with us, for sharing not just your life story, your faith story, what's happening in your ministry, but actually sharing your gift of encouragement with us because it has been a real encouraging time with you. So thank you very much, Barry. And we look forward to you joining us next time on Emerging Emmaus when we will have another guest to bring a good encouragement story that will be entirely different. So until then, friends, be blessed. In your neighbourhood, trudge two dumped Jesus friends, drowning before dawning, moving through a maze of misery to an amazing Emmaus encounter. Emerging Emmaus. Good grief, our dream is dead. Going home instead, comfort of my bed. Good grief, the pain, hope hard to sustain, love down the drain. 
Good grief, where have you been? What we've seen? Blown to smithereens. Good grief, how our hearts burned, our minds turned, or all we learned. Good grief, don't go away. Come in to stay. You've shown the way. Good grief, how he broke the bread with hands that bled, then disappeared. Good grief, Jesus alive? No need to strive, chance to thrive, Jesus alive. Good grief, no time to waste. Now we have a taste to Jerusalem with haste. Emerging Emmaus. A well-kent lament echoes through the years. How long? How long? Good as is the grieving process, may it be a means to access visions and dreams of Christ's kingdom come. Emmaus, emerge from the gloom. Come, Holy Spirit, come. So for future podcasts, join us via the Sanctuary First website, Facebook page and app, and also via Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Come on, tune in.